Section twenty four of Mrs. Diamond. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Hupp. Mrs. Diamond by Anne Isabella Thackeray Ritchie. Book two, chapter sixteen. The Doctor and the Lady but the last tune the harp played then binory oh binory the train came in the early morning and the great london doctor got out he had travelled all night comfortably enough in his first-class corner he was there to see what could be done he had a confident cheerful aspect which gave hope to the bystanders the porter began to think the colonel might recover after all the station-master also seemed to regain confidence mr bolsover who had come to meet the train and who liked to take things pleasantly shook the oracle warmly by the hand i am afraid you will find things as bad as can be he said as if he was giving a welcome piece of news though his pale round face bellied his cheery tones jeffreys has been up all night i have brought the carriage for you we telegraphed to you yesterday when jeffreys thought so badly of him poor fellow get in please drive hard george is mrs diamond aware of the danger said the doctor as he got into the carriage after seeing that his bag was safely stowed on the box she is anxious very anxious said mr bolsover so are my wife and sister who are nursing them all most devotedly you know the boy is hurt too broken rib concussion they were driving home together they think poor diamond fainted and fell the horse was startled the carriage upset just by the forge luckily one of diamond's own men was standing by the poor fellows were brought straight home across the lake in the ferry-boat mrs diamond was from home at the time the boy recovered consciousness almost immediately but my poor brother-in-law seems very ill very bad indeed said mr bolsover with an odd chirruping quake in his voice then recovering and trying to quiet himself do you dislike this and he pulled a cigar-case out of his pocket not at all not at all said the doctor looking out of the window what a delightful place you have here it is almost all my brother-in-law's property said mr bolsover all entailed upon my nephew we married sisters you know oh indeed said the doctor i did not know i was not speaking of the present mrs diamond says mr bolsover hastily the second wife is quite a girl some of us thought it a pity at the time poor child it will be easier for her now perhaps than if they had been longer married the horses hurried on the gates were reached the neat sweep the pleasant shade of trees the doors of the house flew open and the servants appeared as on that day when the colonel had brought susy home as a bride the doctor was shown into the colonel's study where a fire had been lighted and some breakfast set out the master was lying scarcely conscious on his bed upstairs but his daily life seemed still to go on in the room below the whips and sticks were neatly stacked against the walls his sword was slung up his belt his military cap everything curiously tidy and well ordered the army list and directory the bradshaws and whittaker were each in their place on the table in a sort of pattern the bookcases were filled and every shelf was complete the writing apparatus was in order with good pens and fresh ink for dr mayfair to write the prescriptions with 
They could do little good now for all the good pens and paper. The neat packets of letters, answered and unanswered, with broad elastic straps, lay on the right and left of the writing book. The post bag was hanging on a nail with a brass plate fixed above, on which the hours of the post were engraved. Everything spoke of a leisurely, well-ordered existence, from the shining spurs on their stands to the keys in the dispatch box. The doctor had not long to wait. The door opened and a lady came in, a fat, florid lady who seemed to have performed a hasty toilette, not without care. She was wrapped in a flowing, flowery tea-gown. A lace hood covered her many curls and plaits. She had gold slippers, emerald and turquoise rings. She advanced with many agitated motions. Oh, doctor, oh, how we have looked for you. You may imagine what this night has been. How am I to tell you all? A chair, thank you. Yes, oh, yes. Our darling boy scarcely conscious. His father in this most alarming condition. And she laid her jewelled fingers on the doctor's sleeve. Mr. Bolsover will have told you something, but he has no conception of what we have suffered, what anxiety we have endured. My brain seems crushed, said the lady. If you felt any pulse, doctor, you would see that the heart's action is scarcely perceptible. You are very anxious, of course, said the doctor, rather perplexed. Shall I come upstairs at once? Is Mr. Jeffreys upstairs? He will be there in a minute, if you will kindly wait, and you must be wanting some refreshment, said the lady. Dr. Mayfair, do you prefer tea or coffee? Here are both as I ordered. One requires all one's nerve, all one's strength for the sad scene upstairs. The strong man cast down in his prime. Let me pour out the tea. The doctor, somewhat bored by the lady's attention, stood before the fire waiting for the arrival of Mr. Jeffreys and asking various details of the illness, of the accident, to which his hostess gave vague and agitated answers. I was resting in my room before dressing to drive out. When my maid brought me word of the dreadful report, I lost not a moment. I told them to bring me a cloak, a hat, anything the first come to order the carriage to send a messenger to say that i was on the way but one has to pay for such effort nature will not be defrauded of her rights you doctor know that better than i do oh, of course no yes says the doctor with a vacant eye drinking his tea and looking around was this the enthusiastic young girl disapproved of by the poor colonel's relations Mr. Jeffreys has been sent for. You tell me, said the great man, politely interrupting. I hear him now, said Miss Bolsover excitedly, and rushing to the door, she opened it wide. Here, come in here. Dr. Mayfair is expecting you, said the lady in a loud whisper. Oh, Mr. Jeffreys, you can tell him what we have all endured. You can tell him what a lifelong tie it has been between us. How unlike that of a few short months how much deeper how much mr jeffreys looked round uneasily he was followed by susanna still strangely quiet scarcely uttering a word but with anxious dark encircled eyes trying to read from their faces what was written there she heard miss bolsover's speech and crimsoned up as she turned a quick reproachful glance upon her even at such terrible moments people are themselves alas and their daily failings do not die when those they love lie down for the last time. 
but assert themselves bitter exaggerated to reproach her at such a time oh it was cruel susy thought and then she forgot it all mr bolsover's sneers and the pretty pangs and smarts of daily jealousies she caught sight of a glance which passed between dr jeffreys and dr mayfair and all her strength and courage seemed suddenly to go as she sat down for a moment in the nearest chair while miss bolsover followed the doctors out of the room susy herself had no hope jeffrey's deprecating look answered her most anxious fears she had watched all through the night and each hour as it passed seemed to weigh more heavily upon her heart now for a moment the load seemed so great and she could scarcely bear it she seemed suddenly choking and she opened the window and went out into the open air to breathe there he was dying and all the garden was so sweet so full of early green and flowers he was doomed she knew it and a new day had dawned and nothing was changed from yesterday only the beauty of it all seemed aching and stinging instead of delighting her its very sweetness turned to grief its peace jarred like misery a great flash of brilliant pain seemed spread out before her why had they ever come there susanna thought oh why how happy she had been alone with him in london how unhappy she had been among these cruel people how dear and how kind he had been how little they knew her all the spiteful things miss bolsover had ever said came into her mind with a passionate exaggeration ah she was not ungrateful she was not mercenary she had not married for money and mean things her husband had been her kindest tenderest friend he had helped her in her sorest trouble and she had come to him gratefully and with trust and now all was over and they would no longer molest her poor susy wrung her hands in a miserable impatience she was a young creature still exaggerated and uncharitable as young warm-hearted people are the lovely sweetness of the morning the tender light upon the sky only seemed to sting her to fresh pain then she thought of his dear pale face upon the bed upstairs of his look of wistful love with some terror of conviction she had meant to speak to him that very day to tell him all her heart and now it was too late it was over now all was coming to an end forever and she had not half loved him half told him how she felt his goodness reader forgive her if she with the rest of us is selfish in her great grief so keen so fierce distorting and maddening every passing mood and natural experience she could not stand she fell on her knees poor child with a sudden overpowering burst of sobbing pain there was an iron roller somewhere by the wall and she laid her poor head upon the iron with incoherent sobs and prayers for his life for strength to love him as she ought for forgiveness for the sacred rancor which had poisoned her life as she knelt there two kind warm arms were flung round her dear susy don't don't sob stempy who had come to look for her don't 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 was all the girl could say be good be brave i've come to fetch you susy started up quiet again ruling herself with a great effort mr jeffries had also come down hurriedly into the drawing-room to look for her and as the two women entered through the open casement pale and shaking still he looked very grave and beckoned them upstairs he's come to himself he's asking for you 
he said to susy you must be very calm dear mrs diamond tempy was now sobbing in her turn susy was white quiet composed her husband knew her to the last and looked up with a very sweet smile as she came to his side an hour afterwards she was a widow and the grand london doctor went back to town end of section 24